It's Karina here. Before we get into the show, I'm excited to let you know that my book that started it all, Spirit Sisters, has been re-released in a 10th anniversary edition and it's available now. I can't wait for you all to discover this book that's so close to my heart. If you pick up a copy, I'd love to hear what you think. Find it at any good bookstore. As soon as I walked in, I got a touch sensation and a cool chill on my arms from my elbows down and on my hands, which tells me it's a child. (laughs) You're listening to The Ghost Files, the podcast where everyday people share their extraordinary experiences of the spirit world. My name is Karina Machado. I'm a journalist who's spent more than a decade telling true stories about mysteries and marvels through my books, Spirit Sisters, Where Spirits Dwell and Love Never Dies and more recently through my podcasts, Spirit Sisters and The Ghost Files. If you love The Ghost Files, please take a moment to rate and review the show. It's the best way for others to find their way to us, which is important because, as I'm learning through your emails, it's helping so many of you come to terms with your own experiences. Case in point, my guest today, Angelina, who stumbled upon the podcast by accident and finally felt right at home. As she told me in her words, I very rarely tell anyone about my spidey senses, as I call them, and what's happened over the years because of the negative opinions I hear. Angelina, a student nurse who lives in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales, has had strange encounters all her life. She's going to share a couple of stories today, one about an unexpected guest on her wedding night, and another about what she picked up with her spidey senses during a visit to Juni's Monte Cristo, infamously known as the most haunted house in Australia. Welcome to The Ghost Files, Angelina. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Now, we've got a lot to talk about today. Let's start briefly with your life right now. I understand you live with the ghost of an old man. I do, yeah. Um, (laughs) He's a funny old character. Uh, He is from about between the 20s and the late 30s. Okay. Um, How do you know that from his dress? Yeah. He's wearing um, overalls, but they're, I don't know, they're old. Do you know what I mean? I get the sense that he's from turn of the century type stuff. Okay. Okay. So um, and he's old and he's cantankerous <laughs> and he's annoyed and grumpy and a pervert. Oh, my he gosh. To, he lives in the, uh, the walk-in wardrobe upstairs off the ensuite. And you've actually seen him? Yeah. So yeah. when you see him, Angelina, is it like seeing a flesh and blood person? Yeah, at the start it is, when I first got here it was, because I see him out of like a person peering around the corner of the door while I'm having a shower and giving me a look of what are you doing here? And, of course, I turn around and he's gone. But it's a real person. Like a, it makes me turn my head and go, oh, hang on, what? I can't imagine, my gosh. And then uh, I see and feel him. I see him a lot in my mind's eye now because I've learnt to ask him to go away when I'm having a shower and to leave the children, because I have stepchildren, and to leave them alone. Mm-hmm. So I don't sleep in the master bedroom. I sleep downstairs. <laughs> so you won't sleep in your room because of him? No, it gives me nightmares. Wow. Which is also linked to how I know the timing of where he is from. Uh, I think he died in some sort of uh, work-related incident because I live right near the train lines where there was it was all industrial, huge amounts of uh, mechanised activity. 
and uh, yeah, he strikes me some type of mechanic or something. It's you know greasy, grease stained hands and mm. quite dishevelled looking, uh, graying stubble on his face. Never clean shaven. Uh, maybe in his fifties, sixties, but he a hard life. Mm-hmm. You know, quite weathered, quite um, beaten down. Um, I smell alcohol mm-hmm. with him as well. So you can actually smell that around oh, whiskey. You. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yuck. Yeah. yeah. It, it's fascinating that you don't only see him and sense him in your home, but you have dreams about his life and how it ended as well. Yeah, or what he was up to. Some of them, they started with just observing as an observer, just a dream about this time ago and watching what was going on, but it felt awful. Right. Like it genuinely felt quite awful and I woke up. There was nothing bad happening to me or anything like that, but I, I felt really rattled because I was there and I couldn't get out and I sort of when I wake up I'm in sleep paralysis. Right, yep, yep. And I've taught myself over the years to uh, come out of that. Wow, it's truly fascinating and I know that this has been happening for most of your life. Tell me, yeah, yes. what's your first memory of experiencing the spirit world? Ah, uh, I see. Okay, so I grew up in a town, a farm outside of a town called Wagga Wagga, quite close to Juni. Mm-hmm. And there was the, the people who own Monte Cristo, one of the most famous haunted houses in Australia. Yes. Their son is a daredevil, Lawrence Legend. And mum took my myself, my brother, I was only about, I don't know, 10 maybe. I was in primary school, so I was maybe year, maybe 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she took us out there to see the daredevil jump buses or something on fire, you know, off his motorbike. And uh, I wasn't particularly interested because I could see on the veranda of the actual homestead, on the second floor veranda, a woman, very stern, very hair in a very old bun on top of her head, but not severe. It's quite softly done. A high neck collar, Victorian dress, all black, and a brooch on the collar. Mm-hmm. Quite an oval sort of uh, those very typical Victorian brooches. Yes, of that sort of that creamy, pinky, apricot colour background, and the white enamel picture yeah. of a lady or something. Wow, it's very uh, detailed. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, she was in full form, like a normal person. Yeah, and she was mad. And I remember her face changing from younger, younger-ish to old. So, oh, that's interesting. I, so you sort of yeah. saw the progression of her life in this vision of well, her. her. I later found out that she was in mourning, and that meant death, and that she was in mourning for such a long time. Mm. So, um, just to give yeah. the listeners a little bit of background, so this home that, as you said, is in Junee, it's infamous sure as the most haunted house in Australia. It's a Victorian, I guess, mansion of sorts, yeah. built in the eighteen nineties. Yes. Yeah, and it was um, owned by a couple called Mr. and Mrs. Crawley. And yes. from what you're describing, it does sound oh, like... Oh, I saw Mrs. Crawley. You saw Mrs. Crawley, I, yeah. Absolutely, and she was stern and angry and annoyed. She didn't want people there on her property. I, I knew in, instantly I was not I was being chastised, like I wasn't supposed to be there, and I was trying to tell my mum, and my mum was... There's nobody there. What are you talking about? And it was turned out that someone actually overheard us talking and said, your daughter has just seen the infamous Mrs. Crawley. Is that right? Yeah, and mum was like, no, 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 she didn't, la, 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 la. 
So it's funny because you're there to watch the daredevil and, um, yes, the son of um, the family that went on to purchase the home was a a famous stuntman or is a stuntman, I'm not sure. He is, yeah, Yeah, he is, yeah. So you were seeing him sort of in his heyday by the sounds of it, but you weren't weren't paying attention to the show. You were watching Mrs Crawley on the veranda. Absolutely, because I felt threatened. How far away from you? Was she, do you think? Oh, not very far. I could see her maybe, I don't know, 100 metres away. Okay, yeah. yeah and it so sounds like far. you had some sort of, you know, um, kind of supervision in a way because you also understood the brooch and the detail of in the brooch, the enamel and all of that. That's interesting. She was very proud of it. Mm. Uh, she was very, very wealthy. Very, very wealthy. Her and her husband were very, very wealthy people. She came from immense wealth, from what I can gather, and entitlement. Interesting. Now, we're going to come back to Monte Cristo later in the show. Sure. But but for now, because it does figure in your story in more recent Uh times, but Uh for now, could you please share with us, Angelina, something that happened on your wedding night, and it was December 2006. Yes, that's correct. We had chosen to get married. I married and since divorced a um, military man, an officer in the army, and he decided that Victoria Barracks in Paddington, Sydney, just behind the Sydney cricket ground there, was a beautiful place. We went to see it. It was absolutely stunning. You walk through these gates. Now, the whole place is fortified with quarried limestone built entirely by convicts. Yeah. And the walls are so thick and huge. You walk onto the grounds and you cannot hear Sydney. Oh, wow. I've never yeah. been there. It's amazing. Okay. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And you walk onto these perfect manicured gardens and grounds are amazing. There's gazebos, this beautiful. These buildings are exquisite, like exquisite. Okay. Yeah, and it's peaceful. It's serene. It's beautiful. And you are instantly transported back to the mid-1800s. Time travel, I love that. Absolutely, Mm. and it is just beautiful. We got married there. We eloped, uh, much to my parents' dismay. (laughs) But we've since divorced, so I figure if they didn't see it, it didn't happen, it's all fine. Yes. Wedding, lovely, all good, yep, great. Uh, After that, in the officer's quarters where you can stay either permanently if you are stationed there or if you are just stopping through. It's part of their entitlements. And we stayed upstairs in the officers' quarters and we were at the end room, which is exquisite. It's got it's not one room, it's like three rooms. It's Victorian. It, it's like eighteen fifty something was built. And there's a huge veranda that we had full access to and these beautiful gum trees and it's the peaceful serenity, birds chirping, quiet. I really didn't want to leave. It It, was so beautiful. It sounds gorgeous and it sounds so removed from Sydney and it's right in the city. Amazing. I felt it very, very at home, which was odd because I'm not great with that sort of stuff normally. Normally I'm quite anxious, but I felt at peace. I felt calm. I was okay. It was beautiful. And uh, later that evening, went to sleep. All fine. And about 2, 2 o'clock maybe in the morning, 2 to 3 in the morning, I, w- I sort of half woke up and I was freezing because I was living in Darwin at the time. So coming to Sydney and it was quite a cool December, mm-hmm. I was really feeling the temperature change. And I remember feeling really cold, shivering cold. And all of a sudden the 
blankets that were at the end of the bed got pulled up and over me and I got tucked in and it was so beautiful. I felt warm and safe and it was just so exquisite and I was so grateful I actually said out loud, thank you. Then once I said thank you, there was something else that clicked into my brain saying, hang on a second, nobody else is supposed to be in the room. What the hell? So I'm bolt upright now, wide awake, and there's a nurse looking at me, smiling. And as she smiled, I was still like, oh, my goodness. And she turned and left. It was almost like she said, you're okay now, off you go. And off she was done, you know, and wow. off, as she faded out. Now, the uniform she was wearing, I know it's a nurse because she was wearing a really old, very much a period piece, World War One or II um, nurse's uniform with a hat with a medical cross on it, the red cross and and everything else. And she was all in white, very starched and proper, everything tucked in nicely. The shirt was tucked into the skirt. It was a long sort of below the knee with pleats in it. It was mm-hmm. quite detailed. Wow. And she would have been, you know, she wasn't particularly young. She wasn't old, maybe mid-30s, late-30s. Mm-hmm. Quite, Still quite young, though. And she had bright red Libby on. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember thinking, God, that's good Libby, you know. <laughs> and she had this very fair skin, beautiful brown hair, but turned put back in a style that was very, you know, those films you watch, uh, the period set, what World War One or two when they're in the hospitals and they're caring for the, the men injured at war. Yes, yes. Very much like that. Okay. And I thought, okay. And then I was quite scared. <laughs> <laughs> but then I I felt remember I just felt so loved. Mm. I felt cared for and I felt safe and warm. And I thought and I said thank you again and I went back to sleep. That is fascinating. Yeah, And I have heard so many times, you know, speaking to people who have seen apparitions that, you know, if the feeling of the event is comforting and safe, well, then you do just go back to sleep. I've heard it time oh, and again. Yeah. It was, but she came and tucked me in. That's oh. so beautiful. Uh, I, mean, I You do that with, with children and, and I'm also studying to be a nurse myself. So, yes, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I thought, oh. Geez, that's nice because some patients can really test your patients. Yes. I thought, geez, that's beautiful. So back then, though, you weren't studying because you're studying now to be a nurse, aren't you? Yes, Angela? correct. Yeah. So yep. in a way, it was sort of a prescient kind of a moment there as well. Oh, I had no idea yeah. that I was, you know, she's. I was working at the airport in Darwin at the time. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's very really, different. Very different. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I was an air cargo agent and mm. landing in literally landing planes. So, um, and I was really open to all sorts of stuff then because you know I thought bugger it, you know, <laughs> why not? Yeah, it, it was happening. I may as well be curious and look into it. Yes, and it had been happening as you said since you were about ten years old and you saw Mrs. Crawley. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was the first one I remember. Yes. I since I've spoken to mum and she said, when you were really little, because I was deaf as a little from uh, maybe infant, like when you get your teeth, I kept getting abscesses in my ears Uh and my hearing didn't return properly until I was about five. Right. So those formative years where you are just all instinct and senses. You were just mm-hmm. id. You were mm-hmm. just pure id. Yes. yes. Um, my senses had to, and it was there was environments where I had to be aware of uh, things going on around me that were bad. Right. So my senses just grew. I think more than 
anybody else's because they had the benefit of hearing. I understand. So it's almost like they grew in, in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, yeah, mm, instinct, you know, mm. um, gut feeling, that sort of thing, mm. and body language and, mm. yeah, that one taught me to believe people when they are showing you who they are, mm. not when they're telling you. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned that there were some difficult moments in your early childhood, things that caused you to be alert. So that just mm. brings me back to this moment with the nurse and how poignant it was and caring because you say that you sense the love and the nurture and the caring and it's just oh. quite quite lovely. Oh, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And very. Um, it's rare yeah. that they come from the other side to me to do something like that. Usually if you've got a bit of a, I don't know, if you've got a bit of a gift, I suppose people call it, yeah. I call them my spidey senses. Mm. In a, if you're in the dark, you're very much a lighthouse to them. Yes, I've heard that before. You yeah. do shine like a beacon and attract all sorts of things. Yeah. Right. So that, in this instance, yeah. it was really, I was like, oh, great, thank you. Yeah. And it's really and beautiful. As you say, you were scared just for a split second, but then you went back mm-hmm. to sleep. And tell, mm-hmm. us, tell us what happened the next morning. Ah, oh, now that was interesting because I, of course, woke up, told my husband, new husband, he thought I was crazy. Um, and then we went downstairs and, of course, I was not letting it go. <laughs> and I spoke to the caretaker lady and she's the one who looks after the rooms and all sorts of things. And uh, I said, look, where we were staying, what was that? She goes, oh, that was the old hospital. I, I looked at my husband wow. and I went, see, I told you. <laughs> and she went, what's going on? I said, look, I, I've seen – I got tucked in by a nurse ghost last night. And she went, oh, yes, 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 yes. I often see her out of the corner of my eye when I'm upstairs cleaning or getting things organised. And I'm like, oh, really brilliant. And it was really validating. He still didn't believe me or her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But um, on you, and that's all that mattered. That's it. And yeah. it's just lovely because, in a way, you became that nurse's patient that night. I did. It was, <laughs> yeah, well, I was in need of caring for, mm. definitely. So that was absolutely beautiful. And when you were 22, Angelina, you experienced a kind of a forerunner to that comforting experience with the oh, nurse. Oh, yes. Could you tell, yep. tell us about that, please? Yeah, sure. Um, God, I was young. I was young. I was in love for the first time and we'd been together uh, three years and uh, he had said, I'm not in love with you anymore. I'm I'm leaving you for someone else. And, of course, I was so heartbroken, so, so, so heartbroken. And, you know, when you're young, you don't understand. Like I don't hold anything against him, bless him, because Mm -hmm. when you're young, you're you're an idiot. There's a lot to learn, definitely. Absolutely. (laughs) And I was so bloody heartbroken, my goodness. My whole world ended. My first heartbreak, you know, and I was sitting on the edge of the bed because he had just told me and I was so broken inside of my heart. I was in so much emotional pain. I'd never experienced anything like it. Mm. It was so awful. I was in so much pain. I was so upset. I was crying and I just felt alone. I really felt because I wasn't that close with my family. I, You know, they couldn't ask anyone for help really and I was just so alone well, when I say that, I thought I couldn't ask for help. Mm-hmm. And I felt so desperately alone and I had my head in my hands crying and someone sat down next to me on the bed and hugged me into them. Well, and that's a very distinctive feeling. Well, it? it was really beautiful. It was yeah. like this really grandmotherly, 
uh, comfy, warm, not skinny and bony, but really uh, fat and comfy. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only yeah. way, you know, that beautiful, yeah. you know, right in her, her, and it was a woman, yeah. right in her chest, neck area. And I was just so upset. And she was holding me and saying it was going to be okay. And what's amazing about this, Angelina, is that you weren't asleep. This nope. is not going into sleep or coming out of sleep, which is when a lot of people say, you know, that we're prone to have some sort of, you know, strange experience. But you were actually just awake and sitting on your bed, but in a yeah. time of great distress. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Wow. So it felt yeah, like you were in absolutely. somebody's arms. And was yeah. it there somebody actually sitting there that you could see? Yeah, absolutely. There was, yeah, there was a decrease in the bed and everything. She was in my mind's eye, but I could also see her in a really faded, almost um, – you know that LED light, the light that comes off an LED light, quite a bright LED light? Yes. There's this uh, white haze. Yes, yes. I could see her in that white haze in colour. Like she wasn't just white haze. She was this almost um, luminous mm. but not bright and I could see her in that. I don't know who she was. But, uh, yeah, I could see her and I feel her and she was telling, she was hugging me and saying it's going to be okay and, you know, you can, and she was, she was so funny. She was like, you don't need him anyway, you know. Was she speaking or was this sort of a yes. tel- telepathic communication? Uh, it's telepathic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that connection is energy. Right. And I was in no position to be looking up anyway. <laughs> and I could hear her, it's like, don't worry about it, you know, he's no good for you anyway and... <laughs> Yeah. You you can do much, much better, you know. She was telling me to believe in myself and go out there and do it on my own and all these beautiful words. And then he heard me crying and saying, yep, yep, I can do it, yep. Sure. And I must have said it out loud and said, you're right, you're right, but, you know, I just feel, why has he done this to me? I don't deserve this. She said, of course not. But And she said, we're all young, we're all stupid, we all do silly things, you know, forgive him. And I was like, no way. <laughs> because it had just happened and I hear him coming up the hallway on the wood floors and she left, just gone. And I was like a, God, I was upset. That made it worse. I said, no, and I cried out, no, don't go. And he said, what? Who are you talking to? And I was like, I wasn't talking to you. Go away. (laughs) Wow. So you weren't afraid at all to have this spirit sit by you and hold you. On the contrary, she supported you in this moment. Yeah, absolutely. And she was beautiful. I have no idea who she was. What in era do you think she was from? Oh, 60s. 1960s? Yeah, yeah. Why do you think that? Oh, because uh, the clothes she was wearing, she wore a uh, those dressing gowns from the housecoats, dressing oh, gowns. Oh, yes, very distinctive, mm. yeah. Yeah, so 60s, 70s. But I got 60s from her. Do you and think... just warm and really kind and just very nurturing. And do you think she was somebody associated with your ancestry or with the place, with the property? I think she was associated with the property. Okay. Mm, because uh, the people who built it, that was in the 60s. And uh, it was, you know, a lovely couple and they didn't have children. I did know that. And oh, I saw you it... knew that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to see her out of the corner of my eye, down the, up and down the hallway, in and out of the kitchen. Oh, so you'd had little glimpses of her perhaps. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know it was her, but I saw the housecoat. Oh, so you would see the housecoat. Wow. Yeah. 
And I'd say to, I'd actually say out loud, can you pop the oven on for me? Because she was beautiful. You know, you can sense whether it's good or bad. Yeah. It's the bad ones that really get me. Angelina, let's go back to Monte Cristo. And ah, you were there yes. recently again. I was. Yeah. What were you doing there? Oh, I, so silly. I had a friend of mine went and she was telling me about it over the phone and I was connecting with what was going on there and seeing things as she was talking to me. I thought, bloody hell, I'm going to go back out there, you know. Would this and be for I the was, first time since you were 10? Yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it never occurred to me because this stuff happens to me all the time. Mm. So I have no need to go and, you know, seek out a haunting or a haunted house and scare myself witless. Like I don't – this happens all the time. I've never sought that sort of stuff Yeah, out. you don't need to go on ghost tours really, do mm. you? <laughs> oh, I'm so wanting to now as an adult and I know how to protect myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm in because it's so curious. Right. It, it seems like you have your own ghost tours at home every night, especially with oh, your old gentleman lodger. Yeah. Oh, he bangs and carries on. I was telling my boyfriend the other day, I said, oh, there he is, he's off again. My boyfriend said, um, what? What are you talking about? It's the neighbours. I went, they're not home. He goes, what's that? I said, I don't know, the grumpy old purse. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And he said, how do you know? I said, radio. So I said, bang three times and it went bang, bang, bang. And he went, mm, yeah, righto. And I said, okay, he doesn't believe you. Three times again and he went bang, bang, bang. <laughs> and my boyfriend just went, okay, stop now. Yes, yes, that's what most people do. But sorry, I interrupted you. You were telling us about Monte Cristo and why you went back recently. Yeah, so my friend was telling me she took her son out there and it had a really eerie, weird vibe about it and she didn't like it and the, the boys were 13, years, two boys 13, and they had a bloody great time. <laughs> they yeah. thought it was fantastic playing in all the areas and staring each other witless. They had a ball. yes. And she just was like, get me out of here, get me out of here, you know. And uh, she was telling me about it. As she was telling me about it, I was connecting. Now, I didn't know the history of the place, had no idea. Okay. And I I didn't know that Mrs. Crawley was Mrs. Crawley. So it's only now that mm-hmm. you think back to when you were 10 and you saw that old woman, but it's only now that you connect <laughs> that apparition with the the historical person, Mrs. Crawley, who, who yeah. built. Okay, okay. Absolutely, because for me it just was. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, it just is, it just was, and I was petrified and didn't want to go back out there. Okay. Um, but as an adult, I was like, right. So I connected with them, and I can, it's weird, you can do that. You can tap in or tap out, you can turn it on, turn it off. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I connected and I was seeing these things like there was a young girl, she was only about, I don't know, maybe 15, 16, really young, long, fair hair, like, you know, that mousy blonde. Mm-hmm. So this is what you're seeing while you're on the phone with your friend or are you there? Yep. Oh. No, on the phone. Okay. And um, I said, don't tell me anything about the history. She says, why? I said, because I really want to test a few things. And she goes, what's that? I said, oh, I'm just getting a few things. She says, oh, fair enough, you know, and tell me what you think. And I said, oh, okay. So she went and got all the history. She looked right into it. She was Googling stuff while she was there. Because the um, the woman who runs it, her and her husband, he died uh, a few years ago now. Yes. So she, she's got to be 150 and she runs it. And, uh, she, you know, she gives stories and all sorts of things. Mm. And I remember when I was talking to my friend, uh, I saw the girl in like, oats or hay crop in summer. It was really, really, really dry. 
and it was maybe up to her, just under her knees, and she's walking through, touching it, really young and quite thin, really skinny, in a white dress, period dress, with an apron, and she was holding her tummy, which mm. tells me she's pregnant. Yeah. And I thought, oh, God, she's young. Jesus. And she doesn't know she's dead. So this is the vision that you're seeing? Yeah. Wow. Well, she was, telling, she was telling me what was going on. Right, right, okay. And whether she knows she's passed or stuck or something, she showed me what happened to her. And what happened to her was Mr. Crawley, animal of a man he was, uh, he forced himself on her and often and she got pregnant. And Mrs. Crawley found out and there was no way they were having a bastard child around. So him and his man helpers, I call them man servants because they were very much like slaves. Mm-hmm. He tr- they treated them like slaves. It was horrendous. And um, they, he killed, they killed her and then rolled her up in something and then buried her out in the paddock. So with this, her unborn child. This is everything that you gathered and it's, I mean, it's quite a disturbing glimpse. The story, the property mm. itself has a dark past which anybody can Google. There mm-hmm. are lots of sort of scary stories associated with the place and with the history itself but yeah. it is actually all shrouded in a bit of mystery. But what yeah. you're describing is darker even than the stories that have long been associated with the property. Absolutely. So when I went up, when I approached the property, I was drawn to his room. I hadn't even stepped into the house yet. And I walked up the stairs over the blood stain where the nanny was pushed and the baby died. There was a, na- a nurse nanny with a baby holding the baby and over the veranda just nursing the baby. And she was pushed and the baby was pushed out of her arms over the second floor onto the steps of the front door and the baby died. Well, and it was a newborn baby, and it, it was Mrs. Crawley's baby. Is this a vision that you saw, or is this one yes. of the story? Okay, no, okay. this Thanks, is what she me. told me. All right, mm. yeah, that's what she told me. Wow, so, that is yeah. horrible. He was also he was such a pig. He didn't ugh, yuck. He was an alcoholic pig. And there's a little boy. When I walked into the first bit, you walk into, which is like a little, it's like a little mini house thing, and that's where they'll take your money and give you the map and uh-huh. tell you bits and bobs and stuff and tell you where the creepy doll museum is. And um, as soon as I walked in, I got a touch sensation and a cool chill on my arms from my elbows down, and on my hands, which tells me it's a child. And I saw in my mind's eye a little boy, maybe seven, like he was only little seven or eight like he was really really little and he was in a pink cap he was it was cold you know he was in a pair of shorts and he was wearing these old uh leather shoes that were really worn and too big for him and he was wearing a pair of like sock things they, they look like sock but whatever and was all that woolen gray mm-hmm. you know that wearing the shorts the shirt tucked in in tatters quite threadbare yeah. So I'm guessing he was uh, one of the poor little kids that worked on the farm. Mm-hmm. And um, they kept child labour. They weren't at all upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why, but when he was looking at me, he was kind of, his head was down a bit and he was looking up at me with his little eyes. You know, he's staring at me going, what's going on? And I said, it's okay. You know, in my, I told him telepathically, it's okay. Tell me what you need to tell me. What's wrong? And now he's in visitation. Okay, and what does that mean? What means he's not grounded, he's not trapped. 
Oh, okay. So his spirit has gone to where it's meant to be, but he comes yeah. comes and goes. Is that right? Yeah, because he often plays in that area with the owner, often plays in there with her and he's quite cheeky and mischievous, so he'll move things and knock things off and and uh, when I said, it's okay, it's all right, sweetheart, you know, it's going to be okay. What do you need to show me? And then he giggled and off he went. I thought, oh, you cheeky git. So off he went and I instantly went, I've got to go to Mr. Crawley's room because Mr. and Mrs. Crawley, I'm not sure if people know this, but they didn't have, they didn't sleep in the same room. Mm-hmm. They had separate rooms. And I found his room and one side of the room was, to me, I could see my mind's eye, it was bloodied. Like the wall was all smeared and bloodied like he had, someone had lost their life there definitely. And it was this little kid. So he'd had his way with the child and then murdered him. Oh, that's horrific. But do you th- yeah. is there any way to investigate whether these things that you saw actually took place? Oh, I'm sure they would be. I don't are, know. are you interested in doing that? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, when they tell me these things, it's because they just want to be heard. Yes, yes. Like, because he has crossed over. That was the first thing I sort of asked him. And I said, are you happy? Are you safe? He's like, yep. I said, okay, great. You know, he's with his parents. But he come, he's still that little boy. So he still comes in visitation because I think it's people don't know that it happened. Mm-hmm. So if anyone comes along who – and people – go out there all the time, like medium spirit people, yes. ghost hunters. Yes, yes. And I did hear that other people have come across him okay. in that same way and the bedroom blood thing and, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just because his story's not out and that old man Crawley bloody got away with it. Mm-hmm. Certainly there are, you know, there's lots I think that we don't know about the Crawleys and what we do know is already quite dark and there's only a little bit sort of on the website oh. and out there but yeah it's, it's pretty amazing an actually intriguing story yeah there, apparently there were seven deaths on the property apparently now for every rat you see there's got to be 10 you don't mm-hmm. you know if that was that brutal Angelina do you believe that trauma leaves an imprint on a place or indeed on a person um, and that that's kind of in part what you are tuning into yeah, absolutely. Okay. If you've gone through trauma, you are significantly more uh, empathetic mm. and energy. We're all made up of energy. All living things are energy. And it just so happens that my energy can tap into someone else's energy. So if mm. that were the case and there was trauma on a property or within a, a living person, Living or dead, doesn't matter. They need to be heard or if they need something clarified or fixed or brought out into the open, they'll let me know. And you've had many instances of that where you have read the energy of a living person as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hate going through shopping centres. Hate it because <laughs> they're busy. People cross my path all the time and it's it's noisy anyway, but the noise I hear is much, much more. So you'll often see me... If I am going through a shopping centre to get my groceries or whatever I need, headphones are in all the time. And that helps you to not hear the, yep. their energy that is broadcasting. Absolutely. You hear the deceased and you hear the living, but yep. it's like there is no, no border in between in terms of energy. It, it continues to broadcast. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, you, can't, you can't destroy energy. Yeah. So where does it go? I don't know. But all I know is that what I've seen and what I've experienced 
and where you know I can only conclude from that. And science tells us, because I have a scientific background, believe it or not, that you can't destroy energy. Mm-hmm. Just can't be done. So you can split an atom, but you cannot destroy it. So where does it go? Where does it go? And yeah. a, a lot of the, the ghosts, for want of a better term, I guess, or the spirits that you've had contact with are troubled. Yep. You told me that in our earlier yeah. conversation. Now, Absolutely. Do you wonder why that is, that you can tune into them? Because they're looking. Mm. If you, even in life, if you yourself are having a really, really hard time, consciously or not, you need help or you're looking for a solution. So yes. are they. It's exactly the same. They want a solution too. And just because we pass on to wherever we go next, it doesn't mean that we are now infinitely wiser or better or learnt anything yet or, you know, these things do carry on. There's only so much the human con- condition can take in one lifetime. So they often carry that over with them and need help. That's amazing. So we continue to learn, we continue to grow. Absolutely. So if anyone if out there thinks... we're open to that. <laughs> no, no, it happens whether right. you like it or not. Uh-huh. If you pass over, when you pass over, and I don't know where, but it's a, I call it the love of the light. I visited there once, it's amazing. It's just love. It's a love without a name. So it's not a love for a child. It's not a love for a mother. It's not a love for a romantic partner. It is just pure love without a name. Yes. And it is bright and beautiful. Now, there's a bridge, you get taken over it. If you get taken over the bridge, that's when you start to right your wrongs. So if people think that we get away with stuff in this lifetime and they get away with it, they don't. Nobody does. We're all accountable. Mate, we are all weighed and measured. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we have to learn before we can go on to the next phase of whatever that is. Mm. Now, I don't know what that is, but I know that the first phase is you have to acknowledge what you've done to other humans to affect them negatively and positively. You get rewarded. (laughs) I've seen that many times. What you're describing well, sounds a lot like the life review process that a lot of near-death experiences come back reporting. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, right. I'm, yeah my latest fascination is near-death experiences and there's something that <laughs> so many of them experience called the life review where they experience again everything that they've done, as you said, good or bad, mm-hmm. to another um, yep. And they experience it, they live it not only from their own perspective yeah. but from the other person's as well. They, so they are made to feel the pain they have induced. True empathy. Well, <laughs> I tell you what. Extreme it makes me, empathy. <laughs> well, it makes me, it certainly affects me in this life Yeah. In uh, knowing that because there's no way I want to win. Uh, I don't like accidentally hurting people. Mm-hmm. I am the most apologetic when it, if someone said, hey, that upset me, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. That must have hurt. I'm such a bastard. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. That was awful of me um, and I will atone for it. So where to from here, Angelina? Where do you go now with your spidey senses? In an ideal world, what would you do to help others, help yourself with these abilities? Oh, I always do. Uh, I use them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I'm uh, certainly with my patients, their energy will often – because when you're not well, it radiates. It really, really does. And they can't help it. It just, it's out there. So I can tap into that and find out how to help them, not just medically, but a lot of it is emotional and feeling supported and mm. nurtured and listened to, mm-hmm. not judged. Like 
you don't want to judge anyone. You want to help them and make them feel at ease with you. So I tap into that to do to uh, enable that process. So it's more of a holistic view of your patient rather than just dealing with the the symptoms or yeah okay. absolutely well okay. I'm, I'm dealing with what they're not telling me because mm-hmm. often I will always listen to what people aren't saying because that's where the truth lies that's very profound say that again I will always listen to what people are not saying because that's where the truth lies wow well on that note I'm going to ask you the question that I end all of my interviews with on the ghost files. What can an encounter with the dead, Angelina, teach us about living here and now? Uh, certainly in my case, you can use your spidey senses for good. And if you are going to get cross or cranky with someone, perhaps think twice about it and how you approach that with that person in terms of maybe approaching it from, you're allowed to be angry, but approach them with kindness and care because if you deliberately start hurting someone because you're hurting, you'll pay for it. Mm. So for me, it was really profound and the response I get when I treat someone who I'm angry with kindly and, and try and understand where they're coming from and why, what made them do what they did and approach it from that way, you get a resolve rather than anguish. Because mm. just because I'm angry, I don't have a right, nobody does, to cause pain for another person. Yes, it's a very healing thing. It's also a very difficult thing to do in this day and age, but I'm grateful to have the opportunity to speak with people like you, Angelina, who can share with us. Yeah, thank you. That's a really important lesson and more kindness we can spread in the world. Well, good for us. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for coming on The Ghost Files today. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear about some of your experiences. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.